The Halo universe is filled with wonder, mystery, and fascinating discoveries around every corner. With so much to explore, four friends decided it was about time that they boot up the consoles and discuss this universe that has grabbed their attention since childhood. Jumperscape Audio kindly welcomes you to join them in the library. Holy sh! Welcome back to another episode of the library. A fun, loving, yeah. <laughs> fun, a fun, loving, fun and loving. We love you. <laughs> podcast about Halo lore, hosted by a group of stupid friends. Uh, not hey. that the friends themselves are stupid, but that the fact that we're friends is stupid. Oh. So today, oh. <laughs> <laughs> today, uh, we've been kind of building up to this. Uh, quite a bit over the last four weeks, um, but this one is going to be a, a nice big deal. This is actually the fourth week, so three weeks, right? We've we've done. We're on week five now. I I haven't kept track of it. We're I on think week four. Five. Is it five? Is it four? <laughs> uh, and we've been building it up, especially over the last two weeks. We were going over uh, good stuff with. UNSC and Covenant and going through all of the different facets uh, surrounding them and their factions and having a fantastic time. I'm wrong again, by the way. Uh, you were right, Shane. It is it is week five, so congratulations. I was going to say, week five sounds a little bit more right. Yeah, you're, you're right. So, uh, now that we've talked about the Covenant, we've talked about the Unsk, now it's time to talk about the Human Covenant War when these two sides decided that it was... said Unsk. <laughs> <laughs> when they had decided that peace had gone on long enough and it was time to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, no one knows what peace is. Especially not the Covenant. The Covenant is very bad at knowing peace. They they really just kind of parade the concept around and then never do anything with it. So that's fun. But Oh, where have I heard that before? Except <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Uh, this one should be fun because we have a lot of on-hand experiences with the Human Covenant War from the Halo games. So when I get to the parts that are actually referenced to or actually happen in the games, uh, we'll kind of go into those and explore how the games handle it versus how lore sort of explains the broader scale of these things because usually that's how that happens. It's like, you know, Halo 2 uh, Mombasa got attacked. Oh no. Meanwhile, in lore, the entire city got eviscerated. There's nothing left of the city. It is all gone. Everything was melted away by the Covenant. And then the flood showed up. And, and then it got worse. <laughs> so uh that that stuff is entertaining to see how things kind of get expanded when it comes to either these random lore entries that people will make or mentions in novels or terminals, all these other things. Um, hey, speaking of terminals, if you haven't gone and uh, supported some Patreon stuff and gotten yourself some access to the to the special little after show we got that happens after these episodes, you're missing out, my friend, because what you're seeing here is a scripted robot of a man. And you want to see who the real guy is like, don't you? All of us. We're all just puppets in a, in a grand scheme. So if you want to see what we're really like and really know 
uh, <laughs> what it's like to to have us go and talk about things that aren't Halo, especially lore related. You can feel free to head over to our Patreon. We got some pretty good offerings there, and uh, and feel free to stop by and uh, listen in on the Terminals After Show. So, uh, to get us started, though, uh, okay, class, can anyone tell me when the Human Covenant War started? Not you, Brian. Oh, okay. Just give me the year. Um, it's twenty-five. Yes. Fifty. I hate you, James. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> twenty-five. Yes. Twenty-five. Yeah. I was, I was gonna say. Yeah. I, was, I, I was gonna say. I was more or less naming the uh, round where it ended, huh? You you did list. Yes, <laughs> you're on your way to listing the year it ended. Yeah, because yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a. Uh, I know that's when most of the Halo games take place. So I'm like, yeah, that's. I mean, it's not end. surprising at all, and honestly, it is the most jarring part for any Halo fan that decides to get out of the the games. They're like, wait a second, you're telling me that this war has actually been going on for roughly like 27 years. <laughs> like it's actually that's been that's why there's gonna be Halo war. games for a long time because of the amount of lore that we have not even sniffed yet exactly it's gonna be great but uh, I'm thinking that for terminals later we're probably gonna end up I want to I want to go into what events should be made into a game because we're I mean Harvest. we've already seen that Halo shouldn't shouldn't be afraid to go into spinoffs based on other events because Reach and ODST pulled it off Wars if you really want to go in that direction so I I, I want to talk about that in the worst way. <laughs> I know I know I know we talked about like you know like in, in the like I forget which after show it was, but we talked about like the first interaction between the human, the humans and the yeah. uh, the covenant, and it's just like I love like a rich style FPS. Let of, me play like, as Johnson. That'd be cool. The guy who plays him is no longer being held down by the strike that his union was under. He can come back, okay? <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, we could talk about that one later. But um, for the Human Covenant War, it started on Harvest, as Shane was just now mentioning. Uh, it was obviously a complete surprise for both sides. There were a lot of surprises on, on multiple fronts, though, uh, considering how many things had happened all at once not only was there you know conflict that were that was happening but also the covenant had been exposed to the truth or at least the the three prophets had been exposed to the truth (laughs) had been exposed to the truth (laughs) that humans uh were actually the reclaimers and they were going to be you know the ones that are actually descendants of gods and not the covenant that's a big no-no in that religion so they just decided that's not real and just <laughs> ignored it Fake entirely news. and deceived the covenant. Good times all around. Uh, and they just kind of kept it to themselves because power is awesome and they really like it. So when the war had started uh, to say that humanity was ill-prepared is putting it lightly. Um, fort- the only thing that they had on their side was that they the human race was very good at making heavy armor plating by this point. And armor plating was pretty much the only advantage that they had against the Covenant, because Covenant was not very good at doing heavy armor plating, at least not against UNSC shells or plasma, surprising enough, because they relied on shields. 
So UNSC would do these, you know, massive titanium alloy armor plating, and it was really hard to break through. And that was pretty much the only thing that would allow them to survive any form of encounter whatsoever. Um, although I am a little confused sometimes because there's the one time in Halo 2, there's the, the in the cutscene where Chief is flying through space with the greatest of ease holding the, the space pine, uh, porcupine. Um, it, it, you're flying through space and you see this autumn class ship that a ship that looks like the pillar of autumn just or is it what is it is it halcyon halcyon class that's what it is halcyon class um it gets absolutely annihilated in one shot like this this beam comes out of a, of a carrier and just slices through this thing and utterly annihilates it uh and that is what's called a uh, a lancer. The lancers are pretty friggin' awesome in the fact that they can actually one shot pretty much every UNSC ship pre like, like pre the end of the Human Covenant War. So the fact that it's only recorded to have been used like once <laughs> is kind of like, but why? <laughs> why didn't you use it more? I mean, granted, humanity wasn't exactly that much of a challenge for the Covenant when they would actually fight, but. You know, it's more just like, it's so cool. Why not use the Plasma Lancer more? Come on, man. Weren't there um, several other weapons that the, the Covenant Lancer, ships could you use that would to. just one-shot them? Because I remember, like, <laughs> fancy maneuvers having to be used just to avoid a single shot many times. It, it, it is true. There are many things that can one-tap, but the Lancer could slice ships in half, <laughs> and it was just a beam of, of plasma. It oh, couldn't be dodged. <laughs> It was just like imagine a, a cruiser size Spartan laser. That's kind of the concept. So, it, I mean, I'm just saying I'm not saying for practicality purposes. I'm saying I want to see more ships sliced in half. I, I've been fiending ever since Halo Wars 2 with the Sentinels. So <laughs> I want to I want to see more ships getting sliced in half by stuff. Um, But the war because of that whole situation halo wars did a good job of putting kind of on the forefront what the human covenant war was all about humans started out really strong and then they realized wait a second these are actually aliens forgot about that so they're much much more advanced than us apparently um and you quickly see the tides turn even in things like the intro cutscene, the the trailers for the game the way that the story goes in general you kind of have this consistent feel of humanity thinks they got it under control and then something goes wrong, such as in the intro cutscene. You got that that fun little thing with like the the Marines on the frozen tundra and they're all fine. But then all of a sudden, just an absolute massive army of elites come out of active camo and everything goes downhill. It's just kind of how the state of the war was almost at all times. So. I mean, I think Halo Wars does probably the best job of illustrating the overall feel of the Human Covenant War on on the war aspect. Uh, Reach is kind of close, but Reach was more like what would happen if the Covenant found a civilian population center and then how gruesome that would be. So it's like that's less war and more like what the reality was. (laughs) War crimes, yes. wasn't war, it was war crimes. See, the Covenant had misinterpreted what Mendicant Bias said about Reclaimers, so they also misinterpreted Geneva Convention for Geneva Suggestion. (laughs) Geneva Suggestion. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was bias. It's not good. It was not good. Um, so following things like Halo Wars, you can kind of get the feel there. Uh, and of course, we lost, unfortunately, one of the best ships in the history of uh, the whole fleet, thanks to the captain, Spirit of Fire. Didn't get taken down or anything, but lost with all hands is just unfortunate. <laughs> you know, like they're not going to be able to provide any assistance in the war effort, and they really could have done something because those ships. I kind of want to do a whole episode at some point in the future on just the various ships that you can see in the Halo universe because. The Spirit of Fire, that class ship that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, uh, it's it's basically a self-sufficient factory. It can just make it can take raw materials and turn it into things with its own little internal factories that can pump out armor, weapons, machines. It's really cool. <laughs> my brain is completely blanking. What's the Spirit of Fire again? Halo Wars, Captain Cutter. Oh, yes. My goodness. Okay. I can't believe you. I, say, I, I can't believe it that. either. I say, I knew that. Are you okay? Is, do we need no. to call somebody? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I even knew that. I'm like, you said, I'm sorry, but I thought you were, like, trolling. It's <laughs> one of my favorite ships as well. I can't believe I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought uh, you were... Maybe reciting what happened on October 5th, 2532 in one exact Halo book, but then be like... Uh, Spirit of Fire? That's how it is, dude. There's so much, like, like I've read so many books recently that all names just are meaningless. I have to look up specific names. I can remember events. I can remember the things that happen. But when it comes to, like, a character's name or a ship name or a planet name, I, I it's straight to Google every time. <laughs> so... Uh, I looked it up just now. The Spirit of Fire is what's known as a Phoenix-class support vessel. Uh, it's a fantastic ship. It's gorgeous. And I had an opportunity at one point to get a perfect painted 3D model of the ship. But unfortunately, the guy who was offering them uh, sold out when I finally got the funds to get it from him. They were, they were expensive because they were huge and had to stand and stuff. But like, hey, Mr. Man, if you're listening to... Or if anybody else talented out there is offering, I mean... Mm -hmm hook your buddy up i love that ship and i will absolutely accept <laughs> um so uh the next step of the war kind of shifted towards humanity finding out every single possible way that they could stand a chance against this threat because they clearly didn't stand any chance with the way that they were so first option was of course let's just get some super soldiers and thankfully, they already had that process started. I don't know what would have happened if they had started the Spartan process any earlier or any later than they had. I don't think that would have gone very well for humanity. I think it would have been over really fast. But the Spartans, they kind of... To say that they established reputation is putting it very lightly. They they had uh, the moniker of demon very early. Like very early in the war, before the 2530s they were already considered demons by the covenant because if you saw a Spartan on the field, you could almost be sure that that Spartan is going to be Ooh. able to handle taking on so a massive covenant I, armada. I just learned something new, I guess. So the title demon was for Spartans and not just the master chief. It was for any Spartan. Yeah. Although for master chief, of course, uh, for master chief, of course, he's, he's the demon. 
uh, it's different for him because it's like we're talking like Spartans are demons, lowercase d. Master Chief is demon, capital D. <laughs> also, it's like capital it's, even. Not just, <laughs> not just the D. The the even part is also capitalized. It's actually kind of interesting because uh, you know how we talked about earlier where we said that humans had these kind of. I think we said it during an after show. Uh, how humanity kind of invented these weird little nicknames for the covenant, you know, hunters, brutes, elites, all that, and concluded and then, that. I mean, sure, we'll stick with it because I mean, call you're literally called an elite. That sounds great. Um, but what's interesting is that the covenant had nicknames for for the human the humans as well. Like they didn't have, it wasn't just insult like insults. It hey had. You know, demons for the Spartans. ODSTs were called imps. You can hear that in ODST. They call really? them imps. Yeah, I never so, heard that. Imps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? Uh, imps are like, if I remember, if if I know my my fantasy lore stuff well enough, imps are basically kind of like servants to demons, or at the oh, very least, lower class demons. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. ODSTs, I mean, they're the, they're the next best thing, so it's it just made sense. Everyone else is a whelp, though, according to the Brutes. <laughs> brutes use the word whelp a lot, <laughs> but it's just it's just true. Everyone in comparison to a Brute, unless you're a Spartan, but even in that case, sometimes you run into a Brute that's stronger than a Spartan, so pretty much everyone in comparison to a Brute is a whelp. But... Uh, after we had the Spartans get involved, things got a lot better. Things started improving rather quickly. Um, they didn't have a lot of Spartans, so having Spartans meant that you were probably one of the most important assets in the UNSC fleet, and there weren't a lot of ships at the time, and there still weren't throughout the entire war, really. It took forever to make a ship, and they didn't exactly have interplanetary warfare on their list of things to do, so their military was significantly smaller than what the Covenant had. But if you had Spartans, high priority, you would be protected the most and your Spartans would probably be busy day in and day out getting barely any rest. But it's okay. They're built for that. They're built different. They're built wrong. <laughs> A little wrong. <laughs> you could so, say very right or very wrong, however you're looking at it. Basically, built emotionally disconnected, but built for warfare. <laughs> yes. So... When the when the Spartans got involved, things did take a turn, but it wasn't that much of a turn. It was more like humanity now will definitely not get wiped out in the first year of the war. Congratulations. Very Yay. round of applause. <laughs> we did it. But, you know, that's uh, things started kind of shifting once again, once the elites started kind of getting uh, wary of how Spartans fought, because elites are smart. Elites are very smart. And so when when they would come up against Spartans, they would have a plan. They would come up with plans to try to take them down. And sometimes it worked uh, more often based on what I know. It, the, the assassination plans wouldn't work out perfectly. But when it worked, it worked. Uh, I.e. noble team. May they rest in peace. <laughs> but uh, elites womp, were probably <laughs> boo womp. Um, Elites were probably the the best contender when we're talking like one to one with Spartans because they had the shields, they were strong, they were fast, they uh, there were a lot more of them, and they didn't have the augments that Spartans did. But 
some elites did, and they were most certainly the most dangerous. And, you know, the Covenant had their own special, like, super soldier serum thing that they would try to use, but they couldn't get the science down like humanity could because that that was another advantage that humanity had. Humanity was, I mean, humans are a race of science. So our mastery of how different chemicals work together, how energy flows, blah, 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 blah. Our mastery over that thing all those aspects made that so much easier for us to actually stand a chance against the covenant, which was mostly just kind of ripping off of other technologies. <laughs> so after they had moved on from, uh, they, well, they hadn't moved on cause they had, they had a lot going on when it came to the super soldier serum. But aside from that, they also had these like specialized units that were sort of designed for taking on Spartans, but it wasn't, it wasn't always designed just for Spartans. Like you could argue the Silent Shadow were somewhat of an answer to that, but I don't really know how long the Silent Shadow were around. James, do you know how long the Covenant had Silent Shadow? Um, I feel like a fake fan. I do not. <laughs> so, the, wow. so the the Silent Shadow weren't just like for that. That was just basically a singly task force. It wasn't just like pretty see much Spartan, get Spartan. Yeah. It wasn't just like all the dirty work is what the Silent Shadow's done. Well, I decided to just look it up real quick, and uh, yeah, no, they they were invented upon the uh, inception of the Human Covenant War. So, so as soon as the fighting started, they were like, "Yeah, we need you guys to be our basically our spec ops." Pretty much, it it certainly seems that way because there's no there's no lore entries or any stories about them before the events of the Human Covenant War. So they were just kind of there. Uh, they had specialized armor, much stronger armor, like ridiculously strong armor, uh, ridiculously strong shields, wild technology in their visors. Their swords were made of different materials. Everything was different about them, and they are so freaking cool. Okay, so I mean, I have, uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess I have something to contribute, I guess. I mean, I, and I know they're not, I mean, unless, you know, I dig deep somewhere in the lore that I know nothing about. You know, during Halo Reach, like, there was always those zealots that were targeting Noble yeah. Team. Every, like, every other mission, those zealots would pop up. Now, those were in Silent Shadows, but they sure as hell, like, acted the part. Yeah, zealots are very different. Zealots, I mean, Halo Reach spells it out for you. They they are a special class of elite that is there to secure artifacts from Forerunner technology that could be important to the Covenant religion. But zealots could also be tasked to take down high value targets. So it, it basically, in general, if the Office of Naval Intelligence ever noticed that there were zealots present, they would get really worried because that meant that something either really bad is going to happen or there's something very important that they're going to have to try to keep from the Covenant. And that second thing is all almost impossible to do most of the time no, the <laughs> without Covenant utterly destroying something. it. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say the covenant. Whenever the covenant wanted something, they just went and got it. So, yeah, pretty much. So we established when it started. What year did the war end again? Was that I guess officially, officially that was twenty five fifty two or three, right? We I would say twenty five fifty two. Uh, there's some arguments that have been made that the end of the war was actually twenty five fifty three, but the final year of the war was twenty five fifty two when you know all of the prophets died, most of the covenant got blown up. The, like a lot the official, went down. The official like truce between Hood and Arbiter was twenty five fifty three, but 
the actual yeah. like end of the fighting between the humans and the covenant was 2552 so yes. that was officially on the record yeah. 2552 <laughs> yeah officially so like that was 30 years almost yeah the exact number would be 27 the fact yeah. that we were even able to last that long is exactly like well, that, that's, that's we're so talking about how advanced the covenant are and how mm -hmm. like unprepared the humans were well the thing is like the sorry to mean to cut you off you're good but it? basically for me like the saving <laughs> grace for humanity was just the fact that the covenant found us at the right time yeah like so many things fell into place like imagine like 2020 you know a shit hit the fan and then all of a sudden <laughs> uh, you, you look up right now high, 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 ch high charity just appears over the, the appears in earth's atmosphere like we have we have not colonized any other planet like we have we haven't not like done learned anything about like slip space nothing like we're just still marooned on earth and like that's what kind of like slowed the covenant down is just the fact they went from planet to planet to planet not even knowing earth existed and then when they found earth when they like you know they needed to be here they were like oh my god this is their home world exactly. it's just like if, if it wasn't for the fact that humanity didn't colonize planet after planet after planet like they could have eventually they would have just went right to earth and was, you know we would have been completely ill prepared it's like what um i don't remember which which elite said it again names completely escape me but the human they they compared the humans to the flood in that we just spread and take over everything in our sight damn um, straight and it's that <laughs> combined with the brilliance of the commanders that we had that were in charge of the the battles and the ships and the coal protocol literally that's all that saved us oh and our science the science was and science. a major proponent Policy. so like basically our intelligence is what really won us out of the because the, 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 the covenant is the covenant is not smart they're, they're really not they're, yeah. they're kind of dumb species like so all the, of them are so, like grunts are probably Saint the Healy most intelligent uh, uh, saying healy are not really they they don't they don't they don't advertise themselves as a species you watch that, your words I'm say, I'm listen i'm trying to say this as carefully as i can they don't they don't they don't advertise themselves or their culture to be based around something of intellect or like severe overindulging intelligence their whole it's thing. a warrior culture exactly right. So, but well, with humanity, it's like this, we have a sort of conglomeration like the Covenant does, but it's just a bunch of different kinds of people, which is very different because when you have the, the species of the Covenant, if you're a specific species within the Covenant, you're probably going to fall within that one single fold. But with humanity, we had the advantage of just individuality across the board, yet the ability to work as a team. That sort of stuff was what made it almost impossible to really like completely take us down right that, well, the thing is like mm -hmm. like adding on to that like basically anything that the prophet said was gospel anyone who anyone who questioned it brought up another idea heretic executed exiled like humanity just like again like you said got to more or less work as like a team like just anyone everyone would be able to think for themselves but also as a team yeah there was another big thing, though. This was probably the biggest influence on how the war went. Um, we had mentioned before when it came to the to the Covenant, and I'm pretty sure to UNSC stuff as well, we had brought up luminaries, which are these special devices that the Covenant can use to find Forerunner artifacts pretty much anywhere. Good job remembering the name this time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so the thing about that, though, you would think that's like, hey, 
if they found these humans on this planet using that, why not just use that thing more? Excellent question, Timothy. So, here's what happened. Uh, that luminary got destroyed during the events of Harvest. Now, there's only three luminaries... And now there's only two luminaries. Yep. So they're kind of just like, now hold on a second. <laughs> they're just, they don't really want to lose all their luminaries just trying to find these humans that have now been proven to be a little bit destructive and willing to blow anything up that stands against them. So they they kept those luminaries to themselves and kind of kept themselves at a permanent disadvantage because of that. If they had used the luminaries, they probably wouldn't be able to find every single human colony there ever was. Um, they were able to use it to like pinpoint where Forerunner stuff was on planets and then go to those planets. But the thing is about that is that every planet has been touched by the Forerunners by that point. So they're kind of everywhere and it's really hard to differentiate what's human and what's just Forerunner artifacts. So the amount of times that they just kind of accidentally came upon a human colony was very frequent. <laughs> um and that's part of where they came to that conclusion of, man, these guys just kind of be spreading everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> we were literally an infestation to them. Hey there, Halo fans. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with our friends right after these messages. Yeah, so the Covenant had that one major disadvantage was they had no idea where our central colonies were. They kept on running into just hundreds because we had hundreds. We had hundreds of colonies all throughout the Milky Way galaxy just scattered all throughout the entirety of it, especially in the outer colonies, hundreds. And it took hundreds of colonies getting destroyed to finally get to Earth on accident. <laughs> and so when they got to that point, it was that was kind of the I think I mentioned it before. The coolest part about the end of the Human Covenant War was that they both sides were at a point of like they were at their breaking point. Humanity had just had their their home discovered, which meant this was the final stand for them. If they lost Earth, then that's their central government. That's their central military their society. That's pretty collapses. much everything. That's their culture. That's the origin of their species. That's all gone. So that's their last stand. At the same time, the Covenant just started having a civil war on the same day. <laughs> so now it's a matter of whose home base will survive long enough to see the end of the war. <laughs> um, the one that doesn't have flood on, I can't even say that because you both were infested. So I was going to say, you know, high charity, you know, exactly, but, you know, Earth. Africa, in particular, had a flood poor, infestation. Poor South Africa. It got annihilated. <laughs> Just like, first, the Covenant. Then, the flood. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And then, technically, the Covenant again when the elites came down and just decided to just bleem it all away. I just refer... I just... At that point, I just call them the Sanghealy. I don't refer to them as the Covenant. I just, you know, something like there, that. I, I, that was my bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got... I know what you meant. But... <laughs> That's that's all skipping over quite a few things that happened because when we're going into the what happened in the middle of the war, I mean, there really isn't that much to cover, to be honest. But the Human Covenant War, to put it in a sentence, was a one-sided conflict where one was attempting to annihilate and one was attempting to survive. Uh, the Covenant were on this massive genocidal campaign and humanity really had no intention 
at any point to focus on taking down the covenant more than they were trying to just find ways to evade the covenant. They were spending much more time on that one. The Spartans, if anything, were just there to buy them time. Uh, because they had no idea who their top commands were. They knew that the covenant worshipped these beings called the prophets, but they had never really seen them until like halfway through the war. And then they started assassinating lower level prophets and moving their way up. But they kept on noticing that the chain of command was still there. So they're like, okay, so there's got to be higher prophets somewhere around here. Eventually, the Office of Naval Intelligence did find out about the prophet of truth, mercy, and regret. But I mean... They were also on high charity, and that's a little bit untouchable by humanity. Not a, a little? <laughs> it sounded like they didn't find out the actual names of the prophets until Halo 2, right? They really they really didn't. They just knew that there were three prophets that were in charge of everything. That's insane. Like, Halo 2 is very near the end of the war, and that's months when removed. they find it's out mo- the names of the prophets. Yeah, like, pretty much. Oh, 30 it, years of fighting, and you find, like, yeah. Yes, like a stroke of a stroke of luck. That is, like you find the name, the names of the three assholes causing everything, and you know within months of that happening, you end the war. It's just like, man, if we only found out their names, like you know, twenty nine years earlier. You know, you know, my friend. Uh, I don't mean to alarm you, but Halo Two and Halo Three happen within like a day. So they find the names that of the is- prophets <laughs> and then kill them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing too. I actually I knew that. It just kind of slipped my mind. I truly I know it's knew it's that. ridiculous to remember because that, you're like, no, 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 no. There's years apart. between Halo Two and Halo Three. It's like, no, there was real, there was real it's years. Literally instant. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's it really like that's the craziest thing to think about is that Halo Two and Halo Three both happened over the course of basically just a little over 24 hours. I don't know how Arbiter and Johnson got to Earth so fast, but. <laughs> Damn it, they got there. Yeah. <laughs> this also brings up something else that I just thought of. It's sort of a, a thing for many different like movies and shows and stuff where like the objective sort of takes precedence over whatever is preventing you from getting to the objective. Like as a very small example, um one of the I don't remember which Mission Impossible, but one of the Mission Impossibles, like uh, it's uh, Tom Cruise versus the villain, and there's this case that the the villain's trying to launch a nuclear missile to start just a nuclear genocide. That's that's the plot basically of the movie, and so they're they had they have this fight scene in a uh, like a parking garage, and obviously Tom Cruise his character is like this this badass spy who could take on anybody but because he's going for this case then it makes things take longer you just scream at him like just take the guy out and then grab the case um if the covenant had focused on humanity instead of the great journey it would have been the same thing they could have just destroyed us like if they've been like okay listen we're having a hard time because humanity is sitting here like saying stop and if we get rid of them, this will go a whole a whole lot easier. But they don't do that. No, it, they it prefer was, to right, show it, mode. Yeah, it, it was more or less just like like Austin said, they just kept, you know, running into us and fighting us places they didn't expect us. And like the big one was Earth. Like they just showed up here because they needed to be here. Like, oh my god, humanity's here again. Little did they know, like it was our origin planet. Like this yeah, is planet. where we we began. It's our spawn Plus, point. Like, 
with the <laughs> plus with the covenant, they they looked at warfare as almost theatrical. So mm. you know there was there was a passion behind it. There was an energy behind it. It wasn't just let's get this objective done because they weren't they weren't results oriented. Real people like with families, they are not. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Except for I feel like the Sangheili in a way are because they do have a sort of family structure. Uh, obviously, it's tamped down. I'm talking about how they treated us, the the oh. Ungoy as well. Pre yeah, because because uh, the covenant, like the covenant, individual species, yeah, they had their own cultures and all that. But in the confines of the covenant, when they were under control of prophets and all of that, even their individual species, they weren't as results oriented as humans were. The the Sangheili, when they had their opportunity to take down the prophets, I mean, they moved quickly on the prophets, but it was because the, the UNSC were pushing hard and they were just like, hey, we need you to support us on this one. Yeah. Um, and there was, that, I mean, that final battle had so many different aspects to it. But, I mean, when we're talking about humanity being results-oriented, it's it's no joke. Because humanity had this very, uh, the fun little quirk about them where they really, really, really liked using nukes. And True. <laughs> I mean, probably one of the most famous uses of one uh, was when uh, Cole, his last stand. Yes. Cole decided... Uh, that if he was going to die, he was going to ensure that as many Covenant that were attacking him would also die. So he was right next to this uh, super gas giant uh, that I think was called uh, Viperidae. And he had he had launched multiple nuclear missiles. <laughs> like, a I'm pretty sure almost all of them, if not all of them, from his ship into the, the gas giant. <laughs> So when he did that, uh, there was a spontaneous fusion at the core of this gas giant that, uh, that created a dwarf star. And when that happened, um, the alleged death of Cole happened and over 300 Covenant ships. So I forgot he, that. Yeah, Rest he, in peace, Cole. He kind of just, uh, he was a prime example of what humanity when was willing to do. Mode? Hmm? He kind of, never mind. Did you say go in sicko mode? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, other very famous uses of nukes are usually like using nukes as a way to temporarily EMP Covenant ships or to simply use it as a diversion because they couldn't use it directly on Covenant shields. I thought, shields I'm not going to lie, I really enough. thought when you talked about like the most famous like use of a nuke, what about George? Uh, That wasn't a nuke, that was an FTL drive. Yeah, whenever they didn't have nukes, they would just overload their own FTL drives. They would, they just, guerrilla warfare that, that bad boy, they would go nuts. Just, they found the most creative ways to kill their enemy. <laughs> Also, I would say oh. that even if it had been a nuke, that still wouldn't have been one of the most famous uses because it honestly didn't really do anything. No, just th that one ship. And that's gone. what makes it famous. How about the other five hundred? Okay, effective and famous are different things, though. That's true. Uh, I think the only other really famous use of a nuke that was super effective. I can't remember the name of of the ship, but I know it was a very very large uh, Covenant station slash ship. It was one of Blue Team's first operations. They had brought this nuke on board this ship that was like this central command, I guess, of some sorts. And 
to put to cut the story short, basically, blue team just kind of fought their way all the way through this thing and then set off a nuke, detonating it, killing millions of Covenant. And it's just it's mm, it's so good. It's so nice. <laughs> Watching Spartans do their thing is just the best. <laughs> um, but that was pretty much the only hope that humans ever really had was their destructive capability because their weaponry was Checks wasn't out. the best against most Covenant ships. But as soon as Covenants, Covenant ships lost their shields, as soon as Covenant forces were on the ground, as soon as they were outside of any form of protective shielding, basically, because their shields were ridiculous, the UNSC would shred them. They had weaponry that was, I mean, the armor piercing side of things, the explosive rounds, the fact that most simple, like, small arms that they had were firing these extremely high caliber rounds that exploded upon impact with armor like the UNSC had some pretty fancy weaponry on their hands especially once they started incorporating uh covenant tech into UNSC equipment which was very interesting you kind of see a lot of that in Halo 4 actually and 5 like all and of five. In, in the multiplayer for 5 at least like you know the needle hog Mm-hmm. For, for like that's a good one. Um, I forgot about the needle hog. The oh, needle yeah. hog is incredible. Yeah, um, the needle hog was such a fun vehicle. It someone, awesome. get, someone, give me another example. I'm trying to reminisce. There was the needle hog. What else? I mean, you could say the shields uh, were actually they were just ripped off from uh, elites, but with a different like Halsey developed a different style for the shields. You know what? Another thing is very interesting is that mm. um, it's pointed out after the uh, the Human Covenant War, uh, humans acquire Huragok. Like it's um, a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They caught one. Um, Humanity has acquired Huragok. And so it's pointed out many times. Like, imagine if we had this during the war. Like, the first thing they do whenever they get Huragok, they immediately are able to improve their slip space capabilities. They're able to improve like all of their ships. Like Hurgok just love working, so it just goes super duper quickly. Slave and labor. they're also able to create more of themselves. So they're just they're able to do so much as soon as they have Hurgok. The Covenant also had had Hurgok. But I feel like if again, I feel like they shot themselves in the foot here. If they had respected the Hurgok more, they yeah, yeah, probably they treated them like you think they wanted to yeah. give like give a hundred ten percent to an army that didn't care about them or didn't you know just, just treated them not as equal as just like as literally slaves? Exactly, they were treated. They were just for maintenance for the covenant, and the humans were like, okay, here is this incredible resource. We're going to upgrade absolutely everything that we have, and that like because the covenant just flubbed again. The the intelligence of the Covenant is not something to write home about. (laughs) The the Covenant necessarily intelligence. Yeah, not even necessarily intelligence, just like prejudice. Or yeah, like superiority complex. I see I I don't see I mean, yes, there's definitely superiority con like yeah, like I'd say more that's that's more essential than anything. I, I feel like the the Saint Healy were pretty noble. I mean, obviously the the Kigyar were all literally pirates, the stuff. But Senshayum were really. I mean, the prophets in general were just really, really full of themselves. 
and like the fact they called themselves the prophets alone and just said hey we're saying all of this like you guys have to believe us or you're a heretic like that just goes to show that that's the case now there there is a flip side to this though because UNSC did have a little bit of a problem themselves and that was how they looked at their soldiers sometimes um because you know we're all into in this together we're all fighting for humanity except for the Spartans they're just a tool sorry uh so, okay, so let's say, for instance, the uh, there was uh, Operation Torpedo, which Torpedo was, uh, to put it, to put it simply, awesome. It was great. Um, however, a little bit of a problem happened. Basically, uh, the the concept of Torpedo was to destroy a, a Covenant refinery because uh, they were the the refinery was for chemicals that were being used for plasma reactors so you know if you destroyed the refinery then covenant ships can't go that far into your corner of space you know what i mean so it's it's a strategic advantage to try to prevent them from getting to your center colonies basically inner colonies um success however 298 spartan threes died yeah and you want to see how command was like yeah acceptable sure losses <laughs> that's, that's actually what they were built for sir, right, back it up, boys. Died. <laughs> they sure did sir they sure did uh i loved those guys like Give me one of their names. Tom. I loved Tom. <laughs> He's still alive, sir. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was just all sorts of moments like that where it was very clear that the way that they looked at Spartans was also just a little bit prejudiced because, you know, because of the ethical problem of how the Spartans were created, it was uh, it was agreed upon that it was the best idea to instead of question the Office of Naval Intelligence on the importance of Spartans and whether or not they were actually ethical to have, it's best to just question the Spartans themselves who have no say in the matter. <laughs> Which is also a little weird because it's just like you've been training them to be a soldier since they were literally an infant. So I'm like, that's all they know. Why wouldn't you want to treat them good? Like, well, just, it, it was it was there was a multi-layered thing to that and like with ODSTs I mean, I get why but it's just like the, you you're, you've literally snatched them out of their cradles and bred them to be killing and fighting machines like why wouldn't you instead of like instead of like blaming them why not like praise them and like I don't know just take care of them it's just wild well to for me. the office of naval intelligence that was something else entirely they just didn't like taking responsibility for anything that they did because that's bad pr so they, once the master chief became a hero now they can start talking about the spartans like it's a positive thing they also literally created the spartan threes to be expendable that was the whole purpose of them yep i guess yep fair enough and they were the hot diggity dog did they die a lot <laughs> they were the odsts of spartans and they sure did get expended I was like, the missions you will undertake will be suicide missions. No question about it. Yep. And for a select few of you, extra, extra suicidal missions, headhunters. They didn't even get die, as good of armor. But that is a sacrifice no, I am got willing trash to make. Plastic, basically. They got, they got camo plastic that didn't even work very well. Yep. Fantastic stuff, that SPI. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's just it's so weird because it, with the human coming to war, it's fantastic to see how much detail is in both sides, because some of the best parts about understanding history is, you know, you can look at it from the perspective of here's what happened in this conflict. Here's what happened in the overarching story of the conflict. Here's who won. Here's who lost. But the coolest parts of looking back in war history is going back and seeing the individual stories of those who were in command, those who were on the ground on both sides, those who were in who were just civilians in the nations that the wars were happening in, that were under the different sides and what they were thinking and how the, these two different sides interacted. And Halo has that fantastic, fantastic presentation of giving us that by showing us the covenant having infighting and constant philosophical arguments and religious concerns and these very, very frequent conversations about status and class and where things should go, how things should be, how should things be handled. Now the word this massive conglomerate and then humanity having a problem over what's ethical, what's not ethical, what is valuable, what is necessary for our survival, what should we be focusing on? You get all these individual stories and somehow it all works together. <laughs> it's great. It's lovely. It um, it's so, so beautiful. And it all finally culminated uh, since we're coming near the end here. We have to take it to the end of the Human Covenant War, which was Halo 3, baby! Halo 3, <laughs> baby! Uh, first of all, uh, how many, I know you don't, Brian, but how many, how many of you guys think Halo 3 was like the pinnacle of Halo? Halo 3, James's favorite Halo is Halo 2. My straight up Halo, favorite Halo is Halo 3 by far. Okay. Yes, it is. is Uh, His favorite Halo is a hard discussion to have. (laughs) I... Like I, I say, I, I, <laughs> yes, yes, because I'm more of a story guy than multiplayer guy, and I think Halo 2 has the most, uh, like, does the best story by far. It means the most to me, so I will say Halo 2, but I don't really like the multiplayer, to, to yeah, be quite and, honest. And, and no, the Halo 2 multiplayer is broken, but there is, I think I, I know what you're getting at. Halo 3 had probably one of the most satisfying conclusions to a trilogy that you could probably get. I think Halo 3 is a good conclusion, but I also agree that Halo 2's story is just sort of the best. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Like, Halo 2, in terms of storytelling, is, I mean, it's it feels like a movie when you're watching it and playing it. Halo exactly. 3, the, the reason why Halo 3 is so famous, though, is because there are so many holy sh** moments. And everything comes to a head, everything gets a conclusion, there's like only one cliffhanger that instead of it being like a bunch of different loose ends <laughs> and it's just it's it was so satisfying especially with all the stuff that you get to do like fighting inside of a flood ship fighting on a ring that is currently self-destructing there's so many parts of halo 3 that halo 2 could not even get close to pulling off in terms of the stuff that you can do uh in the gameplay of halo 3 so that's that's kind of how the the final parts of the war were though it was just explosive it was everything happening all at once <laughs> cuz it was it was just just rapid fire moment to moment hour by hour something new would happen in this these final moments i mean you've got high charity that is now actually moving for once and right over this delta halo and they're ready to to try to activate the rings and they're trying to find the ark and 
you know, you, you get to the arc, you get to see what you've been building up to this entire time. Master Chief out here using every drop of luck that he's got in his back pocket to try to save humanity. Uh, and you've got the the satisfying conclusion for Cortana's story. Well, conclusion uh, for Cortana's story. Uh, and you've got a, a lot going on just on all sides. But when we're going into the importance of the final battle uh, above the arc, probably the best parts were what was going on in space and on the ground in terms of their operations. Because, I mean, in space... We had my man, Artas Vadum, the shipmaster, just outclassing an entire brute fleet by making these ships shoot at each other, <laughs> which is just so cool and taking advantage of brute uh, lack of intelligence perfectly. <laughs> That's another thing that I was wanting to cover was like, again, we're saying how much the Covenant is sabotaging itself and... Uh, the civil war happens because the prophets decide to have the brutes take over because of the elites and for a little while that was something that sort of bothered me like not exactly a plot hole but I was like it's it's really convenient for the story and it is but it also makes sense because it's obvious that the prophets weren't being like a full buck fit of a full buck fitty with the uh, with the <laughs> with the covenant and the elites are starting to figure it out the brutes are nowhere near as smart but are also very loyal They're like hey we could just have different warriors that aren't going to question us and at the time like that does make sense like let's get rid of the warriors who are going to question our methods and what we're doing for the ones who are loyal and then we can just get the journey over with like it's we're almost there and we're done um which of course ends up being their downfall but it does it does make sense in the in the aspect of let's go with the dumber also strong warriors that will just follow everything we tell them to do and of course that went very well for them because they were strong but that was pretty much it extremely well (laughs) yeah the the end of the war comes to an end where we're in the final activation room, the arcs activation room. There's nothing beyond this. There's no standby mode. There's nothing like that. There's only start the process and stop the process for good. So, uh, except of course, if you fire the rings individually, but still, uh, you know, truth, he's about to do it. He's about to do the thing. Boom. Here comes this, this Pelican, Pelican. Pelican. That's coming in. <laughs> that slams in through the window. Miranda Keys comes out like a moron, gets shot in the spine. <laughs> like a moron. Uh, it's just really not a good plan. Uh and then Johnson gets, you know, used for his humanness and ability to use forerunner things. And then Chief and Arbiter fight through with just a bunch of covenant with the help of little little tiny tentacle boys. Uh and then, you know, Arbiter kills Mr. Truthman with a sword and then screams at the top of his lungs. And then Chief stops the activation, which was just great. It's awesome. Love it. And then, you know, things were fine. Nothing else happened after that. It's completely Master Chief has lost. He's gone. We lost him. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but Thanks for listening, guys. The, That's it. The hero of the Human Covenant War 
was lost and presumed dead. And uh, the the ceremony that takes place at the end of Halo 3, just a little note, apparently, if I remember correctly, this actually takes place like months after the end of Halo 3. So like Arbiter's just been kind of hanging out. It's <laughs> kind of chilling Sitting around Earth, you know, yep. going door to door, apologizing, bringing, bringing, <laughs> bringing, bring, bringing cupcakes. Sorry for glassing your planet. <laughs> that would be. Uh, that's a fun mental image. So that's kind of just the human covenant war in a hour long nutshell. Then just a lot of int- of very intricate battles, very interesting decision-making on both sides and a culmination of down-to-the-wire sort of circumstances for both sides that ends with a human victory because of Covenant mistakes, which they make a lot of those, so it makes sense. Uh, So any questions, comments, concerns (laughs) with the Human Covenant War? Uh, No, I think What are we going to do when they show up? (laughs) Well, the good news is we won't be around by then. (laughs) True. That's someone else's problem. Exactly. I mean, maybe y'all won't be around by then. I'm simply built differently. Oh, okay. He wants to join the Covenant. I'll just simply stay alive and intervene. (laughs) I'll handle it. I'll I'll handle it. Shane is the Master Chief. Don't worry, I got this. I might have to step in (laughs) if it gets a little too real. (laughs) (laughs) we thank you guys so very much for stopping by and listening to us this week um this is most certainly one of the more entertaining topics to talk about when it comes to halo is always going to be the different conflicts that exist and that's why next week we're going into another conflict because we have an opponent after the covenant the banished so next week we're going to be talking about the banished their origin story how this all began with our newfound opponents and foes in halo wars and halo infinite and um should be a good time so for now we're going to be heading over to our terminals after show once again if you want to feel free to join us you can go over to our patreon at patreon.com forward slash jumperscape uh there's plenty of options there for you to hop over and join us. Um, I don't really know what we're going to be talking about just yet, but who knows? Maybe it'll be funny. You're going to have to find out. So thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll see you guys next week. The library was produced and published by Jumperscape Audio. Funding was provided by our fantastic patrons on Patreon. Big thanks to Dark Salad 42 and Connor Clark. If you enjoy the show and wish to support Jumperscape's future projects or get some sweet benefits, join our Patreon at patreon.com jumperscape or become part of this truly special community at discord.gg jumperscape. Thank you for your listenership and we hope you enjoyed.